we're looking at Ezekiel 39, finishing up from last week. Ezekiel 39. Last week we discussed the, um, the actual battle of Gog and Magog, we, or Gog at Magog. We discussed when it would occur, I believe it would occur after the thousand year reign, according to if you line it up with Gen or Revelation chapter 20. If it doesn't line up in Revelation chapter 20, it appears it's still sometime during that time period, whether it's during this time or during this time. But I, I really believe it's during this time right here. Uh, we talked about that God had basically get, went against the land of Magog and has caused them to come against Israel. We talked about where the location was that they may be coming from. We also talked about God's promise to pull them to attack and God's promise to be with his people. Then it actually kind of gave us a, a look into the actual battle of God at Magog when he's caused an earthquake and then caused the judgment to come against God. So then we're going to pick up in chapter 39 with a recounting of what happened in chapter 28. Now, I don't know if you are paying attention to the news or not, but it would be real easy to see how quickly nation after nation after nation could join up and ally, ally against the enemies of Israel. Because even at this very moment, our own government is allying against Israel. It's scary. It makes absolutely no sense when you want to send aid to Palestine when they're actually going against God's people. But it's happening. So we need to, we need to pray that our nation stays allied with Israel. Because the moment the United States goes against Israel is the moment we will be in deep trouble as a nation. That is just something I want you to pay attention to in the news because what we're looking at here is not far-fetched compared to what you see going on in the area around Israel right now. So let's pick up in chapter 39 in verse 1. Chapter 39, verse 1. It says, Therefore thou son of man, Prophesy against Gog and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O God, the chief prince of Mesek and Tubal. That is basically just a reiteration of chapter 38 when God said that he is against Magog. Verse 2, I will, I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee, and will cause you to come up from the north parts and will bring me up on the mountains of Israel. So God is, according to these two verses, he is directing them to attack Israel. He is saying that I will bring you against Israel. Now, when you read that, our first thought is, why is God leading someone to attack Israel? You know, that is not the plan that, that we see in the word of God. Sometimes, as I said, God uses their own desires, their own will, and pushes them against Israel so that God can get them in the right location. Because if God gets them in the right location to judge them, he can judge them also. But I do not believe, as I mentioned last week, I do not believe that God forced them against their free will. I believe that they, according to what we read last week, had a desire or future tense, have a desire to go against Israel because of their, their hatred, 
their fleshly desires, what we read last week about them wanting to. He used their own, I think the, the verse said, their own evil thoughts to go against Israel. So let's look at what it says in verse 3. And I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand and will cause thy arrows to fall out of thy right hand. Now what's going to happen if God causes the bow to fall out of the left hand and the arrows to fall out of the right hand? What does that kind of give you an idea of? He's taking away their weapons. If he takes the bow out of one hand and the arrows out of the other hand, he's bringing them to a defenseless state. Then he says, Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands and the people that is with thee. I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. Why do you think he put those words in there? For I have spoken it. If God speaks it, what does that mean? It's going to happen. I mean, there's, there's no doubt. You know, may God could be sitting there thinking, well, we're not going to lose this battle. I mean, we, we have all these nations allied with us. There's no way we're going to lose this battle. But when God, number one, makes you defenseless, then God, number two, says you will fall in the mountains around Israel. You will fall in the open field. And then he ends it with, I have spoken it. There is no doubt you're going to fall. I have been watching, watching the news and I don't know what this Iron Dome is. Maybe somebody can explain it to me. But it's amazing how many rockets that that is stopping by, by causing them to, to be deflected back. And, and it's amazing how God, even now in the 21st century, is still protecting the nation of Israel. And even at this point in the future that we're looking at now in chapter 39, he is still protecting the nation of Israel. He says, I will cause you, the nation, the uh, city of Magog and the army of Magog, I will cause you to fall on the mountains of Israel. I will give thee over to the ravenous birds or into the beasts of the field. He says, you will be dead and you will be a feast, pretty much, for the birds and the animals in the field. Now look at what it says in verse 6. And I will send a fire upon Magog. And among them that dwell carelessly in the isles. And they shall know that I am the Lord. He doesn't only destroy the army of Magog. What is he destroying now? City of Magog. God is, is sending judgment upon these people because of their evil attitude toward Israel. I want you to listen to what I just said. God is sending judgment upon them for their evil attitude toward Israel. Look at America today. Not all of America. Look at the ones in charge of America. Look at their evil attitude toward Israel. It's scary when you think about it. Just to know what God has done to these nations... And then what we see happening. I don't know why I'm squealing. He says, so I will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel. And I will not let them pollute my holy name 
anymore. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, the Holy One, I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. He said, the nations will know that I am the Holy One in Israel. God will always make himself known. And he will do it to Magog at this time. I don't know why I have notes repeated here, so just ignore that when I go to the next slide. So I don't know why the top is repeated. Now let's look at verse nine, verse eight. Behold, it is come, and it is done, saith the Lord. This is the day whereof I have spoken. He says, it is come, and it is done. Magog has come against Israel. He has destroyed the military of Magog. Now he has destroyed Magog themselves. Now let's look on at verse 9, when they are plundering the nation of Israel. It says, And they that dwell in the city of Israel shall go forth, and shall set on fire, and burn the weapons, both the shields, and bucklers, the bows, and the arrows, and the hand staffs, and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years. Now, I could not find exactly what that seven years referred to. I'm sure there's a prophetical idea there. But basically, Israel will go out and burn all the weapons that Magog had used in this battle. It says, so that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of the forest. For they shall burn the weapons with fire. They shall spoil those that spoiled them and rob those that rob them, save the Lord God. So they will, not only will the military be killed, but their weapons will also be destroyed because God says that they will rob them who have robbed the nation of Israel. And it came to pass in that day that I will give unto you, that I will give unto God a place there of graves in Israel, the valley of the passengers on the east of the sea, and it shall stop the noises of the passengers. And there shall they bury God in his multitude. And they shall call it the valley of Haman Gog. This God basically says that where they are, I will make that a grave for the people. And they will bury them there and it will silence the passengers. Now I can, you can look at that two ways. Number one, it silenced Magog. Absolutely silenced them. Number two, it could be silencing people that's going to come through there at a later time. Say, look what God did to, to Magog. Look what God did to God's army. We know what God is capable of. We know, right? We know what God's capable of. And now all these nations will know what God is capable of. It says, in seven months shall the house of Israel be burying of them that they may cleanse the land. Did you see what I said there? How many months? Seven months. Now, sometimes the word seven is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, my mind went blank. It means something else. Seven is always a, a word of completion. So it could mean that they will completely bury the, the people here. Or, as I'm thinking it means, it will take them seven months to bury the military of Magog. That is a long time. But what is the purpose of burying them? What does it say at the end of that verse? 
that they may cleanse the land to get rid of all the people that were killed in this battle and cleanse their land. Then he says in verse 13, Yea, and all the people of the land shall bury them. And it shall be known to them a renowned the day that I shall be glorified, saith the Lord God. And they shall sever out men a continual appointment passing through the land to bury with the passengers those that remain upon the face of the earth to cleanse it after the end of the seven months shall they search. So now it's saying that they will actually employ certain people to go throughout the land where this battle occurred and to bury the people. And then after seven months of burying, they will then search and continually search, see if there's any more that need to be buried. God is serious about cleansing this land from the people of Magog. That he is actually instructing Israel for what it appears to me to hire people from continual employment to bury people in that land. It says in verse 15, And the passengers that pass through the land, when any seeth a man's bones, then shall he set a sign by it till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Haman God. So he's even going to the point of after they have buried the body for seven months, then they will begin a search. And when they begin this search, if they find the bones of a man, they're supposed to stick a sign there so that the barriers or the people who are burying the bodies can come by and bury that body also. He wants to totally cleanse the land of this, this battle or these military men of Magi. And also the name of the city shall be Hamanah. Thus shall they cleanse the land. And now, son of man, thus saith the Lord God, Speak unto every feathered fowl and to every beast of the field. What's he supposed to speak to them? Listen, assemble yourselves and come. Gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice, that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel, that you may eat flesh and drink blood. He says, I want you to call to the birds. I want you to call to the wild beasts. And I want you to say, the Lord has made a feast for you, a great sacrifice, that they may come and feast upon the bodies that were there. That is not a what, what we would look at as a, my mind just can't think tonight, a proper burial. Okay, And I don't think God is concerned about a proper burial for the, the people of Magog. I don't think that's his concern. But what really, what, what we really need to understand is this may be in 2030. This may be in 24, well, a thousand years after. It may be in 3,000 something. I mean, this is not what we're looking at now. This is not 2,000 years before now. This is in the future so no telling what our world's going to be like at this time. No telling what is going to exist in our world. I remember when I was, when I was a teenager, when I was younger, now I feel really old, I always thought in 2020 we would have flying cars. Did y'all not think that? Like the Jetsons, you know? You get in the car and you're there. We're still driving. And the car won't even drive for me. I can't afford a Tesla. I got to try. But what is going to happen 
When this occurs, what is the world going to be like? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, the world in this time that we're talking about now is going to be 10, 20, 30, 40 times eviler, if that's a word, more evil than it is now. And they might not even care that this body's all over the place. That may just be a normal occurrence to not have a proper burial. But God is telling nation of I want you to cleanse the land. I want you to bury these people. Then once he buries them, there may be something left over. He says, I want you to call on the birds and the beasts. And I want them to come and, and eat the flesh and drink the blood that's there. Verse 18 says, ye shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, of goats and bullocks, all of them fat, fatlings of Bashan. So now he's saying that the princes, they'll drink the blood of the princes of the earth and of the animals. That must have been some of the animals that were in Magog when he was never destroyed. And ye shall eat fat till ye be full. And drink blood till ye be drunken of my sacrifice, which I have sacrificed for you. Thus ye, thus ye shall be filled at my table with horses, chariots, with mighty men, with all men of war, saith the Lord God. So it is a total destruction. It says, And I will set my glory among the heathen, and all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed, and my hand that I have laid upon them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day and forward. They will know that I am the Lord their God. I've heard people say that the people who are in Israel are not God's people. And all of them may not be. But the land is God's land. The, and when this time occurs, I believe we will see sometime between what we see in, in 2021 to what we'll see when this time occurs, we've already studied it, that God will lead all his people back to Israel. So when he says here in this verse that the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward, I believe everybody who will be in that land that God has directed back to Israel will be God's people will be the house of Israel. And that's why he can make that statement. Number one, he's God. He can make any statement he wants. But I believe the people in that land will be his people. Verse 23, And the heathen shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity, because they trespassed against me. Therefore hid I my face from them, gave them into the hand of their enemies, so they all, so fell they all by the sword. I believe what God is doing here is God is not that he has to explain himself. God has no reason to explain himself. Can we agree with that? But now we're looking at a nation of Israel who has been brought back and God has cleansed the land that's around them. God has given them what he, had, what he has always had for them. But now you have the Gentile nations around them, such as Gog or such as Magog and, and all the nations that surround Israel that are sitting there wondering, you know, God judged the nation of Israel. God has sent them into captivity. Now God is blessing them. Now God has given them what they have. Now God is even defending them against the Gentile nations. So this is what God says to the heathens. And the heathens shall know, number one, 
that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity. God did not send Israel into captivity because it was God's choice. God's choice, God's desire was to renew that relationship with Israel. Can we agree with that? All through the Bible, his, his whole desire was to renew that relationship with Israel. So he's saying, number one, they went into captivity because of their iniquity. Number two, because they trespassed against me. Their iniquity, their sin was against me. Number three, he said, I hid my face from them. I turned away from them. And because I turned away from them, I also gave them over to their enemies. And when I gave them over to their enemies, they all fell by the sword. Why did this happen? He says, according to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions, have I done unto them and hid my face from them. God is an equal God. Do we agree? God is a just God. It does not matter if you are the people of God, the child of God, or the enemy of God. When you sin, you will pay for your sins. And that's what he has shown the Gentile nation. Look, yes, Israel's my people. They turned their back on me. They transgressed against me. They sinned against me by their own choice. I turned my face away from them. I sent them into captivity. I caused them to fall by the sword. Then he says, according to their uncleanness, have I done this? And because of their uncleanness, I hid my face unto them. Then verse 25. This is the good news for Israel. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob. And have mercy upon the whole house of Israel and will be jealous for my holy name. He says, now I will bring them again. I will cause them to come back to the land. I will have mercy on the whole house of Israel. After that they have borne their shame and all their trespasses whereby they have trespassed against me. When they dwelt safely in their land and none made them afraid. He said, after they have borne their shame, they did what they did. They paid for what they did. Some Christians need to realize that also. Folks, when we ask forgiveness for our sins, and when God has already chastised us for our sins, we should not hold them against ourselves. Because if God has forgiven us, then why can't we forgive ourselves? And that's what he's saying to the nation of Israel. They have borne their shame. Now I am bringing them back. Now I am showing mercy to the whole house of Israel. How awesome of a God is that? It says you've borne your shame. You've dealt with your consequences. Now I'm bringing you back. Look at verse 26. After that they have borne their shame. And all the trespasses whereby they had trespassed against me, when they dwelt safely in their land, and none of them made them afraid. None made them afraid. They came back to their land in safety. When I brought them again from the people, gather them out of their enemy lands, and am sanctified in them in the sight of many nations. Then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. Again. 
He's reminding the, the heathen nations. He's reminding the nation of Israel, I am the Lord God who led them and caused them to go into captivity. But, I like the word but, but I have gathered them unto their own land and have left none of them anymore there. That shows me what? That there will be a full uniting of the nation of Israel. A full uniting. Now, do we know who they are? No. They might, may not even know who they are. I mean, if, if you think about, it's just confusing enough to think about how God is going to bring 144,000 Jews during the book of Revelation, 12,000 from each tribe. That's confusing enough to know how God knows exactly who is part of the tribe of Dan, the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Manasseh, and all these tribes. He knows exactly who they are. But to know that God, all over the whole entire world, that God knows who these people are, and God will bring them back to their land. That is pretty awesome to think about. That God knows that. But why does he know that? Because they're his people. He knows us too. He says, I know my sheep. They hear me. So he says, and have left none of them anymore there. Look what it says in verse 29. Neither will I hide my face anymore for them. For I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord God. He says, neither anymore will I hide my face from them. That is a blessing for the nation of Israel. And I believe that part of that has already been fulfilled. I believe that even now God has not turned his face away from Israel. If you read Romans, I believe it's Romans chapter 9 or maybe 10, where it says, hath God forsaken Israel? It says, no, God hath not forsaken Israel. Israel. I don't believe there has ever been a time that God will totally forget Israel. He would just say, they're nothing to me. I'm done. He has judged them plenty of times. He has judged them in the book of Ezekiel. But I believe God will always be a God of Israel. And God will always be a God of his people. And his people have not replaced Israel in any aspect. I do not believe in the replacement theory. We are not the spiritual house of Israel. We are under the new covenant. We are the people of God. We are the church of God. We are not the nation of Israel of God. There is still a nation out there, and God will once again bring them back to his land. Next week, we'll look at the temple.